Hi, and welcome to Dinner Table Talks. I'm Aislinn Campbell, and with me is Joe. We talk about a lot of good food in this episode. As always. And if you stay tuned to the very end, a gaggle of teen girls invades our Dinner Table Talks. <laughs> a lot of that. So pull up a chair. Dinner is served. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. My name is Joe Hilliard. I'm here with... Aislinn Campbell. How was your week, Aislinn? Fantastic, as always. I always ask you that. You never ask me that. How how was your week, Joe? It was all right. (laughs) My week is always good, and so is yours. Do you know what my favorite part of the week was? And there are some hard weeks, weeks harder than... Think about my week compared to your week, in all honesty. Unless you left out the details, like, I had a really freaking hard week, in all honesty, and I'm like, oh, it was a great week. It's not a competition. All things considered, man. <laughs> Do you know what the highlight of my week was? What was it? Releasing last week's episode. True that. The reason why I'm saying that is because last week's episode, uh huh. I, I feel that that was our best episode we've ever done. I thought it was a really, really good episode, and I think people like Friends with Benefits. Well, certainly, those are our most popular episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of the two that we've done. They're, they're good. People like that. People like them. And they and our friends tell their friends to listen in like a higher quantity that of helps. listening. Well, yeah. we've said many times that the best way that you can help us grow the podcast is for you to tell a friend about it. Oh, that's exactly how. So I was on Facebook the other day. Yes. Do you see posts where somebody asks, I need a podcast. Tell me about your podcast. Yes, I saw one of those today. Do you respond to them? I, do, I instant message. Oh, no. I, that's what I did. Let me tell you why. Why? I'll tell you exactly why, and it's exactly what brought this story up to me. And it is because I put dinnertabletalks.com, which leads people to any way they can listen to the podcast. It's dinnertabletalks.com. You can find all of the different places to listen at. And then someone else loved it that I don't know. And then someone else said, oh my gosh, I listened to that podcast. It's hilarious. Now we're friends on Facebook. I didn't, not a name I even knew. Oh, that's interesting. See, that's why you don't do. What's the personal thing? Well, why? Why you got to PM people about it? You scared? You scared that you might show off oh, the no, podcast no, to someone else? No, you're taking that on as if I'm ashamed to post about it publicly, and clearly that's not the case. For me, it is. I think that if he's bombarded with 17 suggestions, I'm saying, "Hey, give this one a listen," and I'm providing the link in this thing, and there you go. Unless someone else goes on and goes, "I." listen to that podcast oh no no no, certainly but i don't think it's a competition but what if we just hit him from both sides it's not the same person oh it's not the same person that means a lot of people are asking what for a new podcast to listen to yes they are now let me tell you another reason why it's one of the best episodes i've already made the tortang to long i've already made that the one that nicole made us eggplant eggplants in season eggplant grows easily nine months out of the year in corpus christi well i gotta figure out what to do these eggplants and when nicole showed me that dish you roast your eggplant you make an omelet out of it it's so simple yep have soy sauce in your refrigerator and an eggplant in your house and it's ready to go yep go back and listen to that episode episode 25 it was, it was good. really good it was my favorite yeah so far and we came up with a name finally yeah that, that we've been tossing it around already yeah i'm but, happy i'm happy with it yeah i like it too friends with benefits friends with benefits so yeah. every four or five episodes maybe six maybe three you will see a Friends with Benefits episode. And yes. that's the ones where we have our special guests in to discuss the meal we ate the night before. And we have a good guest coming up. Yeah, very excited. We've talked about them already a few times. Very excited. So it's time for us to discuss one of my favorite things. That is... Unanswered questions. questions. Unanswered questions. 
Well, I've got one. I'm ready. Two episodes ago, when we went and ate the awful, the the lengua, the mollejas, and the tripas. Mm -hmm. In editing that episode and listening to it again, I say, yeah, the mollejas are the gizzard. But then I've done more research since then. And it's, mollejas is basically a synonym for sweetbreads. And then after having done that research, one of our listeners, Emily, sent us an article from Texas Monthly. Oh, good. I like to hear from Emily. And I like Texas Monthly. Yeah. This is written by Daniel Vaughn. It's called The Smoked Mollejas of Duval and Jim Hogg Counties. Mm. And he explains, mollejas are the thymus glands from young cattle. Hmm. And sweetbreads, like I said, it's broad. And it, it could also include other awful. But they're white in color when raw and look just like pale pork when fully cooked. So young... Cattle. Yes. Okay. So I, the closest experience I have with young cattle is like a steer at the county livestock show. Where are they getting the young cattle from? Right. How does that work in the food system? Correct. Unanswered question. Dong. Because this article goes on to talk about why they are so popular, highlighting some South Texas barbecue joints that are making these gorgeous molleja tacos. Mmm. That actually sounds delicious. And it talks I like about- I mollejas. What I said in that episode, I'm taking back. We need to try better lengua, better tripas, and better mollejas. We went to a bum place. That wasn't a good place to go. We were sent there, though, purposefully. Someone told us to go there. It wasn't It wasn't exquisite, because this article, which we'll post on our social media, talks about how Delicious. well you can make these Sh- foods. Sure. I believe that. I, I do really believe that. Now, I, then I had another unanswered question. Okay. You remember last episode, the best episode we ever did? <laughs> Nicole says how she puts a little fish sauce. Mm-hmm. And then she said, because, you know, fish sauce always makes everything funky. What did she say? Yeah, something about funky it's got a little flavorful. funky with, yeah. yeah. And then I was listening to something the other day that was talking about fish sauce. And I understood that the the reason we created fish sauce was ultimately because it was a waste product that they discovered that they could use to make money with. Fish sauce to me was an ingredient for a specific dish. I need a fish sauce to make something Asian I was trying to make. So I went and bought a little thing of soy sauce. Uh, it looks like soy sauce. It's like a glass bottle like that. Sure. But small. Fish sauce. You know sauce. what I used the other day that I realized that you don't use? No. There's a, a sweet Thai spicy sauce in the fridge. And when I pulled out that cauliflower fried rice that you had made, I was eating it for lunch. It was real quick heating that stuff up on well, the stove. Go back to the episode where we burned my testicles with the hot sauce. <laughs> we have a refrigerator full of condiments. I like condiments. Yeah. I can't wait to tell you about my lunch that I had today someday because it was good and it had condiments. So I knew I had fish sauce in the house. I came back to the refrigerator. I looked for the fish sauce. I could not find it. I found it tonight in the pantry. Yes. And I was and like... And then you handed it to me. I was like, and you put were this like, in the fridge. And I was like, wait, is this any good? It was. It had been opened and in our pantry for, I don't know, five, three months, five months. I don't yes. know. Yes. So then you decided we, we needed we to threw do it in, some... We threw it in the garbage. So is it gone? No. You're going to date it I out? came over to look up fish <laughs> sauce. Because if Nicole, <laughs> the guest from the best episode we've ever done... Talks about fish sauce and we don't know enough about am it. Am I using enough fish sauce in my life? And according to the <laughs> internet, I am not. That many chefs uh-huh. are using fish sauce like salt. Uh, and I think sense. like fish sauce, it's got such a name against it because fish sauce is not an appetizing notion. Fish sauce. I know that I love fish sauce when I eat Thai or Vietnamese food. Right. I mean, I always okay, put fish so sauce I, on I my food. Okay, so I found an article, 12 things to put fish sauce into today. Oh, that's perfect. I love this. Before you name the 12 things, right? 
I want to tell you that fish sauce doesn't go in eggs. I don't care what the 12 things says. Well, I don't think it's on the list. I'm gonna just going to quit. This is going to be quick. That's because it doesn't go in eggs. I want you to say yes you or no. You don't want your eggs to taste fishy. No, that would be gross. And you know what? When I'm listening to stuff that I listen to, yeah. just most recently, there was a whole episode about if you feed your chickens your leftover fish, yeah. which makes sense to me. Sure, of course. But if you're like a heavy fisherman and you feed fish to your chickens all the time, right. your eggs ah, and your chicken meat will, will taste, taste like, like fish. fish sauce. I'm going to let everybody think about that. <laughs> Quick yes or no. The next time I do this, try some fish sauce. Add to burgers or meatloaf. Sure, why not? Brush over chicken thighs before grilling. Sure, why not? Whisk into mayo for a dip or sauce. Yes. Stir into marinara or bolognese sauce. Definitely. Stir into guacamole. No. Why? No. Don't mess with my wok, man. What if I tried it one time just to see if this out? Okay. No. Toss with broccoli florets before oven roasting. Maybe. Drizzle a dash into gumbo. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Good gumbo's got big chunks of fish in it. Good gumbo has big chunks of fish, oysters, a whole oyster, shrimp, sausage, chicken, oh, okra, a few black-eyed peas. I'm thinking two things right now. <laughs> Number one, you make a very complicated gumbo. Number two, we just had oysters recently. And gumbo, for that matter. We have talked about this. This is nothing new. We're not talking about anything new when we talk about this meal. We have talked about this restaurant It's not new, but it's times. completely new. Not only have we talked about it multiple times, we talked about it two episodes ago when we talked to, uh, about the 25 restaurants in yeah. Corpus Christi. And interestingly enough, we got to go back because they were doing some work. One of the, the the standing restaurants in Corpus Christi that you're almost always if you're if you're deep Corpus Christi and you've been here all your life you're almost always going to you've got, invite you've got one of these in your your town. people from out of town right. to this restaurant Water Street Oyster Bar always reliable if, if you have you've friends ever in town. been to Corpus Christi it's probably a hundred percent likely that you have been to Water Street Oyster Bar someone has taken you to that place it's that kind of place they did a turnover. I don't even want to say an entire turnover. They closed the restaurant down for a long period of time and renovated it. Correct. Grand we, reopening. We got in there early, like in the first mm -hmm. couple of days of reopening. I was very curious. And everyone, everyone was at the old bar, just like they always are, packed. Mm -hmm. We're trying to find our way in there so that we can get our oysters on the half shell. And then you look over. I look, No, I look over at the other newer area right. which used to be when they when sushi became the trend not just it's something we all love to eat but it's trendy in corpus christi and every restaurant in town better have a sushi bar right well they have turned this over this area over and it's now a true oyster bar so i point you over there and say I go see two over seats. go over and check to see if those seats are open and whether we can just go sit at those seats because that's where i really want to be anyway and of course, there's nobody over there mm -hmm. because everybody's over at the old bar where everybody's always used to being with the house Robert Mondavi style wine and the, they think, I suppose, a half dozen oysters waiting for their table. Golf oysters. Right. Golf oysters. So to our over the last, surprise. yes, over the last five years, I have run across this idea of boutique oysters. And the concept is that you pay for the individual oyster itself. And they order oysters from the best places to get oysters from. Could be all over the world. Depending on what type of restaurant you're in, it, 
I mean, you could be talking about $10, $20, $50 an oyster. Like like specifically imported Japanese oysters. Correct. Don't buy them from China right now. I wouldn't. (laughs) But you've got, and I probably wouldn't. I mean, what? But you've got, do you remember where it was? I want to say, oddly enough, it was in um, Chattanooga. Yeah, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Which is weird because you wouldn't think of Chattanooga, Tennessee as a place you get oysters. But they had imported oysters from all over the coastal areas of America. really, really cool oyster bar. I don't know why this was the place I ended up at. I was roaming around their downtown area. I loved Chattanooga. I, I thought that place was really impressive. I had already spent the rest of my week because I was there for a conference for the farm to table concept at farms and at farmhouse places. This was like one of my last places to go on the way out of town. And I noticed that they had an oyster bar and it looked like a nice restaurant. I sat at the bar, which is what I do when I'm out of town by myself. Right. And had a nice glass of uh, rosé or prosecco or, you know, something like that. And I noticed that they had this boutique oyster ordering system. These are the ones we have. We have them from... Princeton, Washington, Waters, mm-hmm. they're charging me two fifty and a dollar fifty and three twenty five for different oysters and I'm per like, oyster. Okay. I can do this. I like this. This is cool. I'm going to order half a dozen oysters and I'm going to order some, I don't know, whatever this other thing is, a potato soup or whatever else they had in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was so impressed. I took a picture of their menu of oysters. I came home and was bragging about this place and how cool it was and how this I really liked that it. You could have. The experience. Because I love, you've heard us talk about oysters. You've talk, heard us talk about Gulf oysters. I love, I love oysters. And they, they were beautiful. And what was most beautiful about it was they took the, the restaurant, the bar, the oyster bar, took care to make sure you had three, four, five different types of dipping sauces. You had an Asian spicy sauce. You had a, a vinegar with onions. You had horseradish, really, really solid, good horseradish. You had, you know, your typical cocktail sauce. You had all of these things. And then you had this these boutique oysters to choose from. I, I really liked the cold water oysters. They were sweeter than the Gulf salty oysters that I'm used to. I, ru- I rushed back to Corpus Christi. And told you about it. Yeah. I believe that we told Brad Lomax about it at some right. point, at least once or twice as we ran into him. And then I actually ran into it in some other places. Some other cities had the same type of thing. Some cities who actually had Gulf oysters as their boutique oyster, which I thought was really cool. And of course, the price point depended on where in where in the country you were. So a Gulf oyster How in, difficult it was to farm and get to you. Right. Mm. So a Gulf oyster in New York City is mm-hmm. going to be more expensive than a Gulf oyster in, in the Corpus Gulf. Christi. Sure. And so that was... I mean, and that's the way it should be. And that's what they've done here at, at our restaurant here locally. That's exactly what they've done. And that was... Yeah. It was a beautiful experience. We ended up with four different types of oysters, which was only actually an accident just because of the way they labeled it. We were like, hey, we'll have... Four, well, of, four each. of each. We want 12. We want a dozen. And then the, the shucker which that's the thing too i had discovered as i'd gone out into other states into other cities what an oyster bar was and what we had wasn't really an oyster bar anymore although it had oysters well you're talking about it hadn't kept up with that trend well no not just had it not kept up with the trend the trend of the boutique oyster from around the country or world fine but it had gotten past the point of even like like the idea of like we're shucking oysters at the oyster bar well, they, hadn't, they weren't even really shucking oysters at the oyster bar, at the bar anymore. 
And like some of the places I'd been to recently where maybe they weren't doing boutique, although I think everybody at this point was doing boutique. They're also, you're sitting at the bar where they've got cold ice Mm -hmm. and oysters Mm -hmm. and they are literally shucking oysters at the oyster bar. We got back to that. And that's what you saw. It's a great evolution. Take the boutique part out of it and add the oyster bar back to it. Instead of a sushi bar, there's an oyster bar. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. And we had our guys back there that were listening to us and they were like, yeah, four of each. So we got 16 oysters and they took really good care of us. They did. Of course, we took care of them too. But it was fun to actually literally watch them bring in bags of oysters and shuck oysters with ice and all the beautiful stuff around them. We cannot even begin to scratch the surface of the oyster thing. Oh, no, 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 no. There's hundreds of varieties. There's five major species. And Gulf is part of the Atlantic oyster. But regionally, they change. Regionally. Same species of oyster, but an oyster grown in Alabama and an oyster grown in Texas may taste different because of many many things that you can probably figure out. You get small, you get large, you get salty, you get sweet. You get the quality of the water. You get muddy. You get... You you said after trying all of the ones I had that Mm -hmm. night that still the Gulf... From Alabama and Louisiana, by the way. That you still thought the Gulf oyster was better. My favorite is the Gulf oyster, and I think you agreed. I like a salty oyster. Is that because we were raised on the Gulf oyster? Probably, but I like salty food, so that Mm -hmm. helps. I will tell you that Gulf oysters tend to be big... And I prefer a smaller oyster. So I like a small, salty oyster, real cold, no mud. That's my that's my oyster of choice. Yeah. How's the crawfish? I like a little sweet, too. How's crawfish season going for you? I've had it three times, and it's been fantastic, and I'm going to have it again on Friday night for my dad's birthday. Tomorrow night. Yeah. We're going to eat a lot of of crawfish. Life is good. Life is good. (laughs) Still eating oysters because it's still cold. Now I'm eating crawfish. There's not really much better that can get than that. So interesting little side note about oysters while we're talking about oysters. I did get to get involved because uh, my name is involved in the local food movement, local things happening. And I lobby, you know, I lobby for things that I love, literally lobby at the state legislature. And I got my name thrown into a hat with the conversation happening about Texas aquaculture, maritime culture, oyster, basically oyster farming. I don't know enough about this to really delve into it, but I do know that I helped the group, the committee, the Texas legislator that advocated for the growth of aquaculture on the bays of Texas or on the coasts of Texas in in the bays of Texas. Yeah, about a year ago, the Texas state legislature made it the last state on the Gulf. Yeah. They were the sole holdout along the Gulf, Mm -hmm. weird, to make this type of oyster farming legal yeah and our state representative helped write that bill he did you helped him i definitely advocated for him and my face and my voice went into his campaigning him and him and the folks that were involved in it well i always get amazed we've talked about this before when there's tilapia on a coastal city menu yeah i mean this might local fish this might be similar though i mean you know like i don't understand exactly all the parameters of tilapia i'll tell you the difference though tilapia is is garbage fish and some people may believe oysters garbage shellfish i'm way past having any problem with those they're they're seated on a farm a farm Basically started, and then they're moved in these nice baskets into the nice flowing natural waters to grow. Right. And we have the Copano Bay, 
Um, and so it's going to give us more access to food that we grow ourselves. Correct. And as long as we're doing it in waters that we know to be clean waters, then I am 100% okay with this concept. I may decide even after I've participated in supporting the legislation, there may be a time where I believe our waters aren't clean enough. And at that point, I'm probably not eating bottom sucking anything anymore, which kind of sucks if you think about it. Crawfish, oysters. But currently in the state of Texas, in the waters in the state of Texas, I still value the cleanliness of our greater giantness of water and being that we have out there. And that, We're a coastal community. We should have a different set of rules. Yeah. And that, yeah, no, we should have a different set of rules. We should protect our waters as much as we can. I mean, there's so much that could be talked about about that. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole well then how about this we have eaten some really great food in our house we eat really great food in our house and i have had a couple of kitchen fails that i'm really not proud of but (laughs) we talk about everything yeah the first one is not my fault i want to tell you about something that i love that's going on in our relationship i'm listening i love that sometimes you go to natural grocers by yourself and buy your own food Uh uh-huh And then you'll bring in products that are really good for you that are are varied and different than what I go when I go to the grocery store. I bring home all kinds of treasures. You are. Now, and you're also, I love that you're eager to try different brands that you've never tried before. Certainly when they're on sale. So we were making some kind of, is that what happened? Yeah, they were on sale. Well, I can tell you why. (laughs) Depending on which ones we're talking about. Wait, which ones were the ones you used with the chicken eggplant thing you made? You brought home two different brands of grain-free pasta and we've talked about our explore brand that we like very much yeah but these this is not the explore brand no you brought home two boxes of bonza brand roti uh, one of them i I threw the other box away but this is rotini made from chickpeas there's no grain in this there's no flour so i needed pasta for a a dish that i was making and i pulled this box that you had purchased bonza and Uh i made it as per instructions and what i liked about the explore is that you can Make it like noodles, like I have all my entire life that I've made noodles. You pour it in boiling water, you go the right time, and then you pull it out, and it's perfect. Uh huh. Well, this was like chickpea soup at the end of the of the boil, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, shit!" It, it was just like this melted. Yeah, it all just melted, and I was like, you "Didn't well, follow I, the directions." I thought maybe I didn't follow the directions, so I looked at the directions. I was like, "No, that's exactly what I did." So you had a second box of the bonza. So two, oh, so two of the, I tried it well, again. It was on sale and it was a little different because I bought two different style. I didn't buy exactly the same thing. The same curse word thing happened, Aislinn, for the second <laughs> box. And I was like, oh my God, I'm screwed. But luckily you had also bought a brand new brand we never tried. Pow! Exclamation point. Pow! Now this is... They need to be careful because their packaging is very similar. Red lentil linguine. Mm-hmm. That was the one that went with the chicken eggplant the, dish. This made it. That was good. Yeah, this made it. Uh, uh, that pasta and it was worked really exactly good. the way it was supposed to. Okay, I'm buying more of that then. I'm yeah, glad to know but that. I, ha- I had to boil noodles three times <laughs> to get food on the table. I, I know. I remember that night because I was like, "Dude, are we ever going to eat?" <laughs> yeah, with this bullshit bonza. Get these noodles to work. No, it was like, don't work. I poured them. I poured them into the colander and. it was done it was gone (laughs) i looked in the pot like i'd find the noodles like hiding inside of it hey listen here's the thing we all have our share of dinner table failures oh sure i mean if you cook sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't (laughs) well when we first got together i did the majority of the cooking lemon go ahead (laughs) shut up go ahead 
So I did the majority of the cooking. You I were was teaching I w- me how to cook your way. I was teaching you. I was. I had cooked before we got together. You're a great cook, and I I like it when you do. And I was also you were you've you, the, our, our entire relationship. You own a business, so you've always worked. Well, I've had my ups and downs, and uh, so I wasn't working back then, and so I was doing a little more cooking. What? Ups and, ups and downs is not the right way to put that. No, I've had my ups and downs. That's the right right, right way to put it. Go ahead. I've had my ups and downs. We won't talk about the fact that that down had to do with probably my brain injury. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I literally had a brain injury. <laughs> Seeing you cross-eyed was alarming. <laughs> Shut up. That's a true story. At the farmer's market was supporting... I'm just going to call her Auntie Cuckoo. We don't have to talk about it too much because you seem like you didn't really want to. But there was a lady at the farmer's market. We'll just call her Auntie Cuckoo. And there's more story to it. Just give me credit for saying I don't call people Auntie Cuckoo very often. But this gal made stuff. Mm -hmm. She made stuff that was so different that Corpus Christi had never seen before. That we didn't even know how to judge how horrible it was. <laughs> now we know. The floor is yours. <laughs> and she made some kind of, I don't even know what it was anymore. It was lemon, t- it was for curd. Th- lemon curd. Lemon- no, this wasn't the lemon curd. Okay. This was like fermented oh, lemon. Fermented lemon, yeah. For right. like lemon tangine, which I'm not saying the idea wasn't correct because I- I've seen it on the internet, mm-hmm. you know. It's fermented lemons, Myers lemons. The idea, the concept, even the recipe is like fantastic. It's a good thing. But Auntie Cuckoo's stuff didn't always work out so well. <laughs> she had great ideas, but she cuckooed them all up. And she, and I had this jar of this lemon stuff, and I got the recipe out for making lemon tangine. You're right. Okay, you're the right. The chicken yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I mixed it all up, uh-huh. and I made it all up. I think and you I, poured this jar of lemon like directly onto like no, the finished I, product. I, no, but I yeah, I mean I I followed some directions okay. of like what you do with this thing that I purchased. Okay, and then I served it. Were your kids or my kids? It was my kids. It was your kids. It was my kids. That's how it even like got as remotely far as it did. Because uh-huh. if your kids had done it, it would have never even been touched. It would have been done. Because back then, your kids didn't eat anything I cooked back no, then. They didn't. And and got, actually, you know what? That's how you end up, ended up becoming the cook in the household because I could direct you, and your kids would eat your food easier than me cooking and my just food. Flat out rejecting it, and them just flat out rejecting it. Hold on, let's get back it. to no, the no, story no, that's exactly because what it was. this food was rejectable. You didn't fail often, especially with your kids. So when you put this on the table, we were expecting oh, some cool new thing that Aislinn did, and she never fails. But you take one or two bites of this thing, and it was inedibly citrusy lemon it was just so bad and my kids were moving it around the plate yeah and my kids were still young enough to move things around the plate even if they ate it Uh and you were just trying to eat it she didn't know i'm trying to impress you i sat down and i took like two bites and i was like god y'all this is shit (laughs) what are you doing why are you eating this food it's horrible yeah and that story has stuck with us all the years it was one of your largest failures every year we refer to the lemon and it's hilarious because often. Cortland and Lily to a degree, although she was younger, so she always managed to bypass not eating that much of things. Still, still, she moved a lot of things around our plate. But Cortland and Joe, who were like steadfast, mama made it. Yep. We better eat it. Clean your plate. Clean your plate. 
were like eating this horrible food. Well, you said, this sucks. And we were all kind of like, oh. Thank, thank God. God. <laughs> oh, she figured it out. And I think I went and grabbed, who knows. Oh, God. It Pro- was horrible. Probably not. And now it still gets brought up. That lemon thing, mama. <laughs> I have a story for you. I have a story for you. The other kitchen fail is potato leek soup. And I've made potato leek soup several times. I'm still trying to perfect a recipe. And Listen, you love soup. your potato leek soup was delicious. Me, it was so tasty. Oh, let me tell you the tasty. Let me tell you, let me tell you the background story of this soup. Uh, I bought some leeks from a friend of the farmer's market. Yeah. And I bought potatoes from a different friend yep. at, the, at the farmer's market. And yep. I said, I'm going to make potato leek soup. And you and love a, soup. And if I love soup. Potato leek soup is a traditional thing you make. You usually always make it when the leeks, leeks are, are always, around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once a year, the potatoes and the leeks are going to be available at the same time, and that's when you make potato leek soup. Well, mm-hmm. I made a mistake. I uh, did not wash my leeks as well as I should have. Leeks are like those, they look like those big green onions, and they've got all these layers. And and I swear I was so hungry, and it was so delicious, that I probably ate, I might have eaten one whole bowl, and then filled another bowl before I said... This is crunchy, yeah. sandy. Like, I think you forgot to wash your leeks. Yeah. Well, the way I make potato leek soup is you boil your potatoes and then you saute your leeks and other things. And then you put that all in, back into the pot. You cook it down with some, the add your cream and some other items. I'll put a recipe up. But while it's cooking and sauteing and bubbling and getting delicious in the melange flavors, you add some fresh thyme and some bay leaf. Then you take your bay leaf out, you take your thyme out, add salt, pepper, taste, and then you use an immersion blender to blend it all smooth. Mm -hmm. I I, I saved this bit of information until this moment. Because we've talked about how it tasted like there was dirt and I hadn't washed the leeks enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't take out the thyme or the bay leaf. Oh, you! It was the the bay leaf. I immersion blended you were the to bay leaf me. and the thyme. You were trying to poison me. No, what do you now, mean? I'm thyme, trying to poison you. The thyme wasn't it? I know, but it was a a, was a, a hard stalk leaf. of thyme and thyme leaves ground up in that immersion blender. I don't know. It was gritty. I was expecting a, a more uh, ha ha. You're this sucks more than my lemon thing reaction. No. I was giving so you dirt to have on me forever that I... Remember that time when I left the bay leaf and the thyme in the soup? You were trying to poison me to death, the bay well, leaf. why do you say that? Because you were using probably fresh bay leaf, too. But what do you mean? Why do you say I'm trying to poison you? Because well, a few episodes back, I told you that bay leaf, raw bay leaf, That's was, why could it's be potentially poisonous. For round two of... <laughs> what? Unanswered questions. <laughs> Round two. Mm-hmm. Oh, you looked up bay oh, yeah. leaf. Yeah. Oh, good. Of course you did. Bay leaves are not dangerous to eat. This is an extremely common myth, but holds no merit. It is believed that this myth began because there are leaves that look striking similar to the bay leaf, like mountain laurel, Mm-mm. that are poisonous to humans and don't look anything like bay leaves. A word of caution, though, we still recommend that you fish your bay leaf out of your stew after preparation. Because it's going to make your potato soup gritty. (laughs) Yeah, it tastes like you got sand in it. (laughs) We had another great meal, and of course we did. Oh, God, we did. It was February the 14th. It was Valentine's Day, my love. Oh. I don't care where you live. You have your favorite sushi restaurant. And when that sushi restaurant closes and moves across the block... 
and takes mm-hmm. nine months to remodel that restaurant. Mm-hmm. You're without sushi for nine or you know, six months, whatever it was. Pretty dang close. This I mean, place, we might have snuck a bit here and there just because we couldn't live without it. Couldn't but. live without it. But we had this place open up their new location two days or something before Valentine's Day. I took my Valentine's there. You did. The funny thing, as I told everyone the story about this restaurant, is that we're attached to the chef. We're attached to the sushi chef. That's, I mean, the family, as I'm getting to know the family that runs it better, the young, the young man that runs it, the lead at this point. Right. He he's, seems to be pretty phenomenal, right? I'm appreciating what he's doing he's with his creative. family's be- business. But what, what it is about this restaurant is that we follow the chef, the sushi chef. Mr. Boyd. And this is a Dokio downtown. Yes. If you're ever in Corpus, check it out. The most hilarious thing that I've told everyone about our first night there was somehow in our mind, we imagined that the reopening of the best sushi place in town, that we're going to have any access to the chef at the bar while he's serving hundreds of plates of sushi well that's why we would night, go on valentine's night before they moved it was a, it was still was a hot spot because it was the it is the best sushi in town we would that's our thing we like to do yeah we like to go sit in front of mr boyd the sushi chef uh-huh. at the sushi bar and get him to serve us the freshest fish that he has and really make us his delicious whatever it is i mean really we're willing to pay for whatever freshest most delicious fish you have well he does a thing where i can even say hey i intend on spending fifty dollars seventy dollars whatever it is because that this is one of those places where I'm, we're going to spend a hundred dollars that's a hundred dollar a couple night you're only spending a hundred dollars a couple even mm. with the sushi i mean even with i was the trying so- to i was trying to sake and the wine and the beer it. i was trying to <laughs> lowball it for the purposes of broadcasting but no that, yeah that that was about 120 dollars for the two of us we do not do that very often but it was a valentine's day situation yeah and it was the reopening of this this place. It was amazing. But I'll say, hey, I'll, God, I'll, it was so good. I want to spend fifty dollars, sixty dollars, seventy dollars, whatever it is, and he'll just bring it food was out until it's packed. Stopped. The service was like an opening night, but it was so good. It started, and we with- hung out at a table, and then somehow we oddly ended up at the bar, but we ended up at the wrong end of the bar. Well, we ended up down the bar from access to Mr. Boyd, but we ended up in front of... But we ended up in front of the cocktail area, Uh and all of a sudden, I see this glass, like, imagine a cake pan lid. Cake dish, yeah. cake pan lid. Like a bell with a handle on the top, Mm -hmm. filling with smoke, like right in front of my eyes. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what's this guy doing? And then he's making We're a... from Culper's Crazy. We don't understand that. Well, Show I, us. I intend on getting into that because it's the <laughs> Emperor's Old Fashioned. Oh, now, we like the craft cocktails. It we... smelled really good. Just the The smoke, smoke when he pulled that bell off. Yeah. Okay, well, here's mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're smoking cocktails. And yeah. this is the first time I've ever seen this in my entire life. I think we made that an even more popular drink that night. According to Dokio Downtown, we did with one of our Instagram posts. <laughs> but I went to the internet to find out about smoking cocktails. Uh-huh. All of the articles are from like two or three years ago. So in the we're... bigger metropolitan cities. <laughs> yes, I do know. It's finally here. Yeah. That doesn't surprise okay, you, but does what, it? But basically, there's a tube mm-hmm. attached to a hand smoker. They can fill it with different flavored wood chips, mm-hmm. and then they literally set it on fire with a torch, and then it blows into a tube, and it surrounds a pre-made cocktail, in this case an old-fashioned, with smoke. Mm-hmm. Is that gimmicky as hell? 
No, it tasted really good. It totally worked. It, it tasted... <laughs> the answer is the yes. The gimmick worked, but also it tasted really oh, good. Oh, yeah. They infuse smoke into this cocktail, yeah. and it, it brings out the depth of the whiskey. No, it definitely tasted it good. It tasted good. delicious. Yes. And then the food starts to come the out. The food was delicious. What all did we get? We got baby octopus ceviche. Now, I've never had that before. It was so good. Well, ceviche, I know. It was beautiful. I'm not, I learned not to be afraid of the little baby octopus or to be weirded out by that at all because we have some friends that do uh, paella catering and they would make these huge plates of paella mm-hmm. with baby octopus in it. Like, I'm not afraid of octopus because I eat sushi and all sure. that. But they, they served the little the whole little baby octopus. What was so amazing about this, you've eaten octopus salad before. Squid's on. Yeah. At the sushi place. Sure. It all looks the same. Right. This was not that. No. This was green salad, lettuce, greens with like this delicious spicy ginger dressing on top that also included an octopus ceviche on top of that. It was phenomenal. It, was it tasted delicious. so good. I was blown away by how good the octopus ceviche salad was. I did that slow dining thing where we oh, ordered and then waited 10, 15 minutes and then ordered more and then waited and ordered. I just wanted to you know, hang out with you for Valentine's Day and let the parade of food come. That was such a good first dish. It was so good. And then we had the screaming tuna. Now, this is, I think, your favorite cut of sushi. Uh, it is. It is. I've had it really, really bad, and I've had it really, really good. I've had it at top dining places. And I'll tell you that Mr. Boy doesn't fail me on this one. Mm-mm. Escalar. And this was, and I don't usually order Escalar. Usually I just like Escalar, just sashimi style, completely right. raw. No rice. Still butter, mm-hmm. you know, cut through. This was seared just a tiny bit. Right. And it was like butter. I mean, it was just melt. You didn't even have to chew it. It just melted in your mouth. He he does such a good job. I'm like acting it out like you can see me. (laughs) And then my favorite dish that he does, and he usually has two versions, but on opening week, they just did the classic version, the Iron Chef sashimi. Yep. So he has four slices each of tuna. Salmon, salmon and snapper. Yeah. And it's served in this sauce that he makes. Well, and I don't think it's always exactly the same. I think that it's usually usually two fish that you have known, and then one whatever is the freshest I, thing. I always, I want to believe anyway that he does that for us, because that's how it's listed on the menu, but yeah. we tell him we want your freshest fish. I think he varies up that sashimi yeah. with other fishes that he has and puts them in that same sauce. Now, sashimi has no rice. You're not doing grain, so that makes no. sense, but this is just a piece of meat sliced. Yeah. Floating in a little sauce with a usually a piece of jalapeno on mm-hmm. top yeah, and a, li- a piece of lime. Jalapeno, usually onion. I lime. will. T- I will tell you cilantro. I think that, and this probably had to do with how crowded they were and how much service and you know what was happening. Yeah, he drowned it a little bit. Oh, I'm not going to complain about one thing. It was no, so good. It, no, no, he, he drowned it a little bit. Oh, he bit. usually puts less sauce? It was a little too much. You're being very, very specific. I am. Doesn't like, matter. We're going to wait a month. I can't wait to go back. We're going to go back and go sit in front of Mr. Boyd and congratulate him for this huge new success. We said this a couple of episodes ago with the crawfish. No. We did not have a dessert? We didn't do anything. Okay, gotcha. Oh, we had dessert. I feel like we had dessert, but I don't remember it. So a couple of episodes ago, we talked about with the crawfish episode. 
Yes. With with crawfish and sushi, if you've never had it before, to go with a friend that has. Yes. Let them kind of show you the ropes. Yeah. Because we're eating sashimi most of the time. Correct. We, we might do a roll if we're just in this weird mood. The rolls, of course, it's... And know, now I'm not doing rolls at all because of the rice. Sushi, rice, and seaweed with yeah. with different fish and all kinds of other fun things yeah. inside of it. The uh, the uh, no California in your sushi... No California roll in your sushi we roll just Well, we don't eat crab with K. The crab with a K. Well, we yeah. don't eat that. I like a good poke bowl. It's easy to get to. And usually poke bowl has a scoop of crab with a K in it, and I usually eat it. Or you can also put like the... Uh, Sushi grade tuna on top too. Oh, they they do. I mean, I get that also. Poke bowls. Usually, it almost always has a a scoop of crab with a K in it. Well, I'm just suggesting go try sushi. Grab that friend. You're going to be inspired by us to grab your sushi friend, and you've never had it, and you're scared because raw, gross. And he takes you, she takes you, and y'all go figure it out together. Figure it out. It's good. Do sushi. Hey, look, Lillian. Oh my god, she can't even get in the house. The door's locked. Oh my oh. There's, a, there's an army. Hi. You guys want to be on the podcast? Hey, come be on the podcast come be real on the quick. Po- no, y'all come in here and be on the podcast. Oh my gosh. <gasps> yeah, come this be on so it. Cool. Right. Okay, so. Okay, so Lily just walked in the door. This is our fourth child who's appearing on the podcast. And the, she's brought a yeah, whole group of friends The only one that hasn't been on yet. But we're not prepared for this, Aislinn, so you got to share the mics. Okay, okay. I will. All I'm right. happy to share the mic. So let's do so this. If you're gonna, so if you're going to talk, you have to talk end of the mic, okay? We're going to round robin this really fast. Hello. Uh, I'm Lillian, and these are my friends. <laughs> I'm Ashley. I'm Brooke. I'm Kaylin. <laughs> Perfect. No, no, I gotta go. Get my you don't gotta go anywhere. Do, we're doing table topics. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. These girls probably don't know what table topics is. At the end of the podcast, every week, we pull a question out of these cards. They actually sent them extra, more of them to us because we talk about them. And so they wanted to like give us some things to give away. We play their game every week. We play their game every week. The way that we do it is we pull out a question, we ask the question, and everybody that we that's at the table answers the question. So you get to answer the question for table <laughs> topics. Okay? All right. So the question is, and this is from the category of what would you do? Have you chosen not to purchase an item for moral reasons? Do you just answer yes or no? Well, you got to tell a little story. You tell us a story. I don't so. really know what that means. Okay, well... Wait, what is it? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to read it to you again. Have you chosen not to purchase an item for moral reasons? I can go first. Let's go. I can go first. You're going to go first? Okay. I chose in college to stop or never to again eat veal because I felt that it was unethically treated after I read a book about it. So for moral reasons, I said, I'm not going to buy veal ever again. Okay. I'm going to go all the way around. So, remind, oh, I have one. I have one. I have one. Okay. I'm Ashley, and one time I saw a video about the farm life milk, and oh, since okay. then I have decided not to buy that or purchase any of their products because of the way they treat their animals. Oh, whoa. We're coming out hard. Yes. Okay. That's... I agree. So, so that was farm life milk. Yes. <laughs> now that I know, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to find that video. I don't go to Jimmy John's. Why don't you go to Jimmy John's? I refuse to go to Jimmy John's because he kills, like, elephants and those animals. Because you saw a meme of him having sex with a shark? (laughs) (laughs) No, because he kills the elephants and the giraffes. 
is a big game hunter, so you say I'm not for big game hunting. No more Jimmy Johns for me. Yep. Um, mine is actually probably uh, mine is actually probably um, styrofoam bye girl, cups. Bye. bye, girls. That was a hit and run. Styrofoam cups. Are you you're totally done with them? Well, if I know ahead of time that I'm about to get a styrofoam cup. Oh, you know what? I know what mine is. My purposeful one is straws. Yeah. We live on a bay. We live on the Gulf Coast. I think that it is essential that we work hard to eliminate the eliminate the things that can, can go into our bay. We live in an area where it's windy, where we have flooding, where we have we live right on our city, our urban area lives right on the bay yeah. that goes right into the Gulf of Mexico. And so I think that we not just can we understand and see our own mess, but we see the entire country's mess because the entire country mess comes through the Mississippi River and right into our bay. You know how I look at that? Because we live on the water, Mm -hmm. on it. We have a different set of rules than someone that doesn't. Yeah, but also like we, we see, see, we pick on ourselves so much, but we see the product of city runoff into a bay and literal country runoff into the Gulf, which comes around our Gulf side in our bay. Yeah, geographically, we've got a lot of stuff. So we get everyone else's stuff and then somehow we get the economic fallout for having, you know, dark beaches. Well, I know that. When they have beach cleanup, straws are like the second or third most found item. So yeah. when you get that straw, it ends up somewhere. I also ethically, I mean, you're, I mean, there's so many for me. This this question. So plastic tampons, years and years and years ago. I mean, I don't even like that's not even that, that didn't even come to my mind when it was happening because it's been so long. Single use plastics. Right, as often as I can. Single use plastics are not a part of my life. Well, that was fun. The girls. Oh my god. That's the only way I would have ever we would ever get Lily on. Oh, with her group of friends. Oh yeah. So all four kids are done. We of course, did. Savannah just said Mongola Hoogers or whatever. She'll be back. She'll be back. She needs to do table topics with us. Do us a favor. She's the only one that hadn't done table topics yet. Do us a favor. You have got a friend that listens to podcasts. You're gonna tell them about it. I think that's all there is to say. And we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you again for joining us at our dinner table. If we said during this last episode that we'd share something with you, you can find it at Our Dinner Table Talks on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're on Twitter, it's dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com for all of the latest information and send us an email there at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We so look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.